Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 120. Let's roll. And roll we will right into championship weekend. Boy, oh boy. Uh, you know, if you if you love football, this is this is the best. Um you know, I think we got the four best teams, or at least pretty damn close to it, man. I mean, you know, if, uh, going into these playoffs, you know, I think there was probably the the, the power five, which would have included Buffalo with these four. Um, some people started to put Dallas in there, but I think they showed themselves a little bit. We'll get to the Dallas Cowboys for sure. We're going to get there right off the top, man. You Dallas fans are fucking crazy. I will tell you, I have, you know, I, I like these Raider fans. They are also very comical. Um, but I think the Dallas Cowboy fans are the stone kookiest fans in the NFL with, without question. Y'all say some wild, wild shit. And we're going to get to that and make fun of you guys right now. But before we do, I'm going to bring out a homie who's going to help me make fun of you guys. No, we're going we're gonna to talk about some dynasty. We're going to talk about some prospects. We're going to have a lot of fun. But we are definitely going to make fun of some fan bases while we do it. But I have someone with me that I've, I've been on their show a bunch of times. And, you know, I'm honored to have Mr. Theo Greminger on my show. Theo is, you can find him on uh, on Twitter at the OG Fantasy Football. Well, that 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 kind of sums it up. Mr. OG, what's going on, buddy? Nothing. I'm happy to be here. This is awesome. Um, it's a great week to talk shop. We got, you know, rookies. We have the actual NFL games that are big this week. And it's like a everything's kind of intersecting for, from a dynasty perspective. So it's just, it's just an awesome time of the year. And I'm happy to be, uh, to be sitting down and talking shop with you. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I've, I've done your show. I'm doing it tonight, which is yeah. fun. So I, I love doing your show. You guys are sharp, man. And you know, um, I, I don't know. I really love what you guys do over at the goat district. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know how 
how, how many followers out. I just think it's great. Like I really do. I think every time I come on there, it's like so smart. And so anybody listen to me, I, I definitely recommend you guys. Like I really do. You know, I don't just say that uh, because I don't really say that type of shit, but I really do. I think you guys hit it right on the head and you guys are really competitive at a high stakes level. So you have experience putting your money on the line. You guys are, you know, in the community. Uh, so you have a good basis of other people's opinions. Um, you're all pretty smart, uh, except for one of you. I'm not going to say which one. No, I'm joking. But um, but yeah, you guys just do a great job. So I love what you guys do, and and uh, you guys are kind and generous. So all that, and then I'll start telling you're an idiot when we start disagreeing soon. Okay? No, we appreciate we appreciate the kind words, and uh, yeah, we're putting out some good stuff. And uh, yeah, you this is going to be, I believe, your fourth time in the district yeah. tonight. So you're like an honorary goat at this point. I love it, man. I am the goat. It's fucking yeah. no doubt. There you go. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Who's not the goat? The Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. What the hell, man? There was some there was some wonky stuff uh, with this Dak thing, and you know, <laughs> I'll ask it this way, my friend: Is this fan base just cuckoo, like the Dallas fan base? Well, it's like the the team itself is kind of stoking the fires. They put out the the social media, yeah, basically put it on Dak. It was the weirdest thing you've ever seen, and they didn't remove it. Basically, the Dallas Cowboys social media talked about the loss and pointed out that Dak Prescott coughed the ball up twice on on interceptions. It was such a weird way to phrase things, and it was very Dallas Cowboys like. It was like uh, somebody from the top telling some some you know social media guy exactly how we want to frame this. It was just completely odd. It was so odd, man. Because like you're right, like it came like. Also, it's not like he's on his way out. Like, it would have been one thing if it's like scapegoat, where it's like, yeah. Derek Carr, motherfucker, if we only had a better quarterback, now see ya. Instead, it's like Dak, and it's like, oh, yeah, we owe you $100 million over the next two years. So, anyway, uh, yada, yada, yada. Let's see what we can do in 2023. Like, I don't understand it. It's completely, like, it's so disrespectful. You know, there was a question on, on Twitter. They said, Dak Prescott is blank and fill in the blank. I was like, he's disrespected. Like yeah. at the end of the day, he's disrespected. They they disrespected him when Cooper Rush was in the ball in in the lineup uh, and playing pretty well. But you know he showed that he was not built for prime time and he's not elite. And and, and so they were like, well, maybe we should just roll with Cooper Rush. Fuck this Dak guy. I hear so much Dak is not elite over the you know over the Twitterverse over the last two three years. Um, I'll ask you. I mean, is Dak an elite quarterback? So to me, he's. Any way you want to cut it, he's above replacement level. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's probably closer to a top 12 quarterback than he is like quarterback 20. So I do I think he's truly elite? No, but the, the problem at the quarterback position is it's a matter of scarcity. Right. There's, there's just, you're not going to do better than Dak. And especially with, you know, the Cowboys have won 12 games back-to-back seasons. They're not putting themselves in a, in a, a position to draft. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna fall into like Caleb Williams territory next year, right. no matter what I've they do. That. So I've seen that. You know, I I said you know to you, I, I sent out a tweet to uh, Dak fan uh, to your Cowboy fans who are you gonna replace Dak with? And yeah. a few of them said tank for Caleb. And I'm like, you really want to go into next year and just like not compete? Yeah, like, that's actually one, the plan. And and how does that roster get to one in sixteen? You basically would have to bench guys because they they have too much talent on that roster. That's <laughs> fucking so ridiculous. It's, it's just completely a, a completely nuts fan base, um, just in terms of how reactionary they were. And I just think yes. it's kind of funny because Dak had maybe the best game of his entire career 
the a game before prior. Yeah. Yes. You know, we're talking about Monday night football. He could do no wrong. He has four touchdown passes over 300 yards. They completely annihilate Tampa Bay. Um, and, and Dak's on just the top of the world. Then, you know, the, they just put the loss on him. So I, I just think it's, uh, it's a difficult, uh, position, uh, for Dak. I think that the Cowboys kind of are scapegoating him a bit. It was a, it was a poor performance against a great defense on the road. Um, it happens, right. but I think when you get into the the long and short of it, they are going to be in a position next year to win and be in a position to be in the playoffs again. Uh, and I think that, you know, like we've seen a few, a few KG moves of a few draft picks, you nail, and you know, that could make the difference. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and they, also, they, they don't do him any favors with the Amari Cooper trade in retrospect. No. Yes. It was one of the worst trades of last off season. You Amari played it at, at a great high level for Cleveland. I think he, he exceeded my expectations for what he was going to do fantasy wise. Um, but at the end of the day, they really could have used another another weapon against that San Francisco secondary. Uh, and I think that you know CeeDee Lamb was tremendous, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him a little bit. But you know the Amari Cooper trade, it seemed like it was like almost like kind of sour grapes to get him out of the building. There was a few behind the scene things, and in retrospect, that was just a poor move for them. So. And now you see a lot of the the uh, beat writers saying that they might draft a wide receiver in the first round this year. You know, so it's like you're going in circles. Yeah, they are going in circles a little bit. You know, the the is Dak elite question was a little bit of a trick trick question because I agree with you. I don't think he's elite, but like you know, I don't it, look. He's touched elite like in before he broke his ankle in whatever what was that 2020 you know yeah. before he broke his ankle he was bordering on elite he was well he was elite at that particular moment in time right when he hurt himself because he was like on a pace for like 6500 yards and like 65 touchdowns so that's elite but that was only through five or six games whatever it was uh in the sixth game i think he hurt himself so it wasn't a full season but he was there man that team was humming they were so good and so good offensively. They'd lose 37-34 and they'd blame it on Dak. I always say, you know, it's like ridiculous. So he was there. And then this year, you know, he, he finally makes his way back and he breaks his thumb. That also is not good. You know, I mean, he, you know, hurting your hand, your throwing hand, also not a good thing. Um, no excuses made. But even with all that being said, he's been very good. I think the one thing that he's missing that – you know, you saw it with Patrick Mahomes this weekend is that escapability. He doesn't look as athletic as he once did. I, I don't know if that's just me not remembering correctly. I don't know if he's lost a step due to injury. I don't know if he's getting older. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, none of those things, but I don't see him. Well, he's not running as much. I mean, by the numbers, but you know, that escapability really buys you opportunity. And I think sometimes he knows he's not going to be able to escape and run and he pulls the trigger a bit quick on bad throws uh, because he threw more interceptions this year and ran less. Well, when you know, look, I don't. And I played some quarterback. When you're a quarterback, and you see guy covered, you know, but you know the pressure's coming. Those two things are happening simultaneously. So sometimes you're like, I can force it, but if you know you can run, you think I'm fine. I don't need to force that. I can make a play with my legs. I don't think he feels confident in that. I think he's working through that. The offensive game plan didn't look great, and he missed a couple throws, too, on top of it. But they were right there in that game. I think Dak is way underrated. I don't think he's elite, but I think he's right there on that next level. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. And I think at just the end of the day, getting a guy on that next level and having longevity at the quarterback position is is kind of the way you want to approach things. And I think kind of being reactionary and, and just continually churning out the quarterback position – 
it just never works. There's not a right. team out there that's continually changing uh, starters. Well, besides the the 49ers uh, out of out of necessity, <laughs> right? But that that's really the only one that you can think of that uh, that's able to accomplish a lot doing that. So I don't know. I think that the Cowboys fans just kind of need to embrace it, fix the team around Dak, and just love the one you're with. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up San Francisco too because it's like. You know, everybody goes, well, Shanahan's system. It's like, well, how come, you know, other teams can't have a good system? Like, you know, there's so many times, you know, this this offense was a bit predictable uh, on on a few occasions. Like one of the one of the throws he had was like, you know, they were trying to they were trying to drive late and they just ran like four sticks. It was just like just four players ran four yards and stopped. And it was like and San Francisco was all over. I don't know if they saw it coming or whatever. It was almost picked. It was almost like the end of the game. I was like, holy smokes, like. Can we get a little bit more creative? And then I saw Orlovsky do the 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 review of one of Dak's complete misses. Um, you know, I've heard some people say it was the right read based on a blitz read and all this stuff, but he did miss T.Y. Hilton for a fucking 60-yard touchdown yeah. that I could have made the throw. And so, you know, there's a lot going on there. I don't think you can hang it on one. Pollard gets hurt. You know, Zeke is not dynamic. Certainly Pollard helps them. You know, with CeeDee Lamb as a as a as one weapon. That's good, but that's not enough. And if you're rolling out the corpse of T.Y. Hilton and Dalton Schultz is not explosive and Michael Gallup is kind of a contested catch guy, you just didn't have enough explosion on that offense to to sort of take the the top off the defense. So, you know, he forced it a bit to CD and I don't know, maybe we would too. You know what I mean? If we were in that position, you kind of trust the guy you trust and, you know, no Pollard hurt him. And all that being said, I think I'd buy Dak Prescott and dynasty because of a lot of people fading him so hard. What do you think there? Well, I think absolutely. I think, you know, especially in, in super flex in, in super flex formats. I mean, Dak is going to maintain value for, for years to come. Yeah. Because even if Dallas does do something foolish and kind of, you know, makes a, some lateral move or, or, or <laughs> who knows what they would do, but more right. likely than not, you're going to have the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys in a, in a good situation uh, with what we think is above average talent around him. Yep. I think you really hit the nail on the head with the Tony Pollard call. I mean, the fact that they lose him and they don't have him for the entire second half, that really hurt them because yes. Francisco uh, is such a good defense that if you take away a dynamic weapon like Pollard, it makes that makes that offense so much easier to defend. Right. Um, so it would have been interesting to see kind of kind of how things went with Tony Pollard in that second half. Speaking of which, I mean, you're right on the money, you know, especially the way they were going to play with, uh, you know, having to throw the ball more and, and sort of, you know, the hurry up two minute, whatever, comeback mode. That's when you want Pollard in, not Zeke. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. The easy little throws out of the backfield where he can make a guy miss and pick up 20. You're like, Oh shit, that was awesome. So they lose Pollard. Now, did they lose Pollard forever? That's the question. Let's talk about some dynasty assets here on Dallas and Tony Pollard. What do you think, we're going to see, I mean, I think he's going somewhere else. Is this kind of a foregone conclusion, you think? Well, I, I would I would think that they would franchise tag him. But mm. knowing knowing Jerry Jones and that organization, do they want to franchise tag a guy who is coming off of a surgery? I mean, I think that, that, that Pollard absolutely kind of deserves the money. Um, I, and I think he's, he was just looked terrific this season. Um, but if he's not franchise tagged, it's kind of a dangerous game that Dallas is playing because someone is going to fall in love with Tony Pollard as a free agent because, you know, we, we see the, the Josh Jacobs and, and Saquon, 
go a little bit further down the list, there's guys like David Montgomery. There's plenty of Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders plenty of guys available in this free agent class. But I think the one thing that Pollard has is two-way ability. He's a dynamic receiver as well. He's, he's a versatile weapon that a number of offensive coordinators can plug in. And he doesn't have the tread on the tires. Yeah. His career carries are going to be lower. So I personally think they'll figure out a way to have him back in Dallas. And most likely it'll be a franchise tag situation. Um, somewhat similar to when Dak was injured and they still paid him the money. Uh, I think that they're going to give give Pollard the, the contract. Because I think the only way you replace a Pollard is using a, a premium draft pick on a guy. Yeah. Uh, they could go out there and, and sign a free agent, but at the end of the day, those guys are going to cost about the same as franchise tagging Pollard if he went and got a, you know, potentially like a Josh Jacobs or something like that, just galaxy braining it. I think Pollard makes the most sense. He's had success next to Dak, and, you know, he's, I think he's a stud. I'm sure the Players Association likes having the free agency period ahead of the draft, but if I'm, if I'm the, the Cowboys or any team, I'd rather have the draft than the free agency period because. I don't know if I'm going to get Jameer Gibbs with my second round pick. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if I do, and I was like, oh shit, we, Jameer Gibbs fell. We don't need to sign Pollard. Fuck that. You yeah. know? Um, but, you know, if you don't know, I mean, not that Gibbs is the only player. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for instance, right? And so yeah. it's like, you know, you kind of say, well, we were able to get that position addressed in the draft. Um, so we don't need to spend money on Pollard or wh- whomever. Very interesting. If you think they signed Pollard, is there. I haven't even checked, to be honest with you. Is there a way for them to get off Zeke? And do you think Zeke is back on his so contract? The, the, so the latest – so I would have told you two weeks ago I think they're just cutting Zeke because they – I think it's due for $10 million this year and they can easily cut him. But Zeke's people and Zeke himself are saying that he's going to pl- play for less money next season. So he's come out and said that already. <sighs> he certainly has an owner that really loves him. Yes, and if he's willing to pl- pay uh, play on a hometown discount, um, I think they might work things out, and you might end up with a Pollard Zeke situation. But heading into the year, really understanding that this is the Tony Pollard show, and Zeke is the the backup plus. Um, I, I think that might be a situation. Uh, Zeke, his yards per carry went completely kaput when the right tackle steal went down. I think it was something like the. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think Steele goes down at like the beginning of December and Zeke was like 2.6 yards a carry, uh, you know, moving forward from the time the guy went down. So Zeke's play was, I mean, he didn't look, he doesn't look at all like himself. You saw it in the San Francisco game. He's kind of a limited guy, but I do think that there's, uh, you know, love in the organization, him potential to be a, a longtime cowboy. So I could see Pollard and Zeke back together next year if they, if he's really willing to take less money. Wow. I mean, yeah. he's the cap hit for Zeke. I'm just looking it up because I was like, I wasn't sure is 16.7. 16. Wow. Um, and the dead cap is 11.8. So, I mean, they can save themselves like 5 million, but it's like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of money. So it was a hell know, of an it, agent. Zeke's got a hell of an agent. Well, look, when they signed that, it was a bad contract, but he wasn't a bad player. Right. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, yeah, he's great. It was like we all knew we're like, this is fucking stupid. But, you know, he's good. Um, But, yeah, it's it's an awful contract. And I mean, even next year, his cap hit 14, three dead cap of six. So, like, they may restructure. I don't know, man. Like, 
why would he take less? Like, that's the only thing I'm saying is like, he's like, yeah, you're fine. Just go ahead and pay me. Um, It'd have to be a very creative restructure because I don't know why he'd take any of his guaranteed money off the table. So yeah, I mean, um, fantasy, fantasy wise, we'd love to see him out of there and Pollard back. And I think then you're looking at a, at a really appealing guy to draft next year in Pollard and a really appealing guy for dynasty. Um, But I I don't know. It's a, it's a weird organization. You know, it's a really weird organization. Yeah. They've got a lot of money. So it's not the money, it's the cap, right? So they just have to, he doesn't, Jerry doesn't necessarily mind paying Zeke, obviously, but he does mind that he had to, he should mind that he had to trade Amari Cooper for that reason, because there's just no way to get around Zeke to keep Amari. I mean, there probably was, but it probably would have cost them something else dearly. So look, at the end of the day, there they are. Uh, Speaking of the wide receiver position, I mean, CeeDee Lamb kind of took himself to that next level this year, as we kind of thought he would. Certainly, I thought he would. Um, well, I had to for you. You've yeah. been on the Lamb train for a long yeah. time as an elite uh, weapon. And, I mean, it was extremely clear this year. I mean, he's an absolute stud. Wide receiver two overall from week 10 on. So he's about as dominant as it gets, um, you know, towards the top of, of what, what wide receiver can be. He shows, you know, career highs in, in all categories this year. I mean, the guy's an absolute stud. Yeah, he really is. And he's that that sort of monster slot. You know, I mean, he can play outside. He does play some outside, but really he's just that monster slot that just um, just dominates from in there and is, I don't know, man, he's a, he's a quarterback's best friend. And if you get some speed in and around him, I mean, obviously Tolbert flamed out. They tried to bring James Washington back. He flamed out. They traded Amari Cooper. Obviously he's out. And Gallup was working his way back, and he's really a, you know, a, a contested X. And, you know, they literally – went all the way to the sidewalk and found T.Y. Hilton out there like, hey, man, come on in the building. And uh, that was their guy to sort of stretch the field. I mean, if they can find – there's some speed guys in this in this draft. If they can find a guy, you know, a Jalen Hyatt or something. Jalen Hyatt, I'm glad you said that. I was going to say Hyatt. Hyatt makes a lot of sense for, for what they do. And, uh, you know, Quentin Johnson's going to go much higher. Yeah. Um, obviously, that would be a guy that they'd like to get their hands on, I'm sure. But Hyatt, Hyatt right. has elite yes, of speed, elite yeah. speed and – you know, would fit in perfectly with with that. And I've seen them uh, linked to, I mean, early on, they've been linked to a couple of these potential veterans who might get moved with a trade. Um, you know, the, the DeAndre Hopkins name has come up a few times. Yeah. So that's one to keep an eye on as well. Absolutely. Wow. Well, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, definitely you guys should, I mean, if the fans had their choice, it would be no more Dak and all this. I mean, they would just be in such shambles if you idiot Cowboy fans were running the stupid team. So anyway. That was the most I did for you. I just called you a bunch of idiots. That's fine. You guys are okay. You'll be fine. You haven't won for 35 years. What do you what what were you expecting? Seriously, it's like me playing golf and expecting to hit it on the green. It's like I don't get upset when I miss the green because I'm not good at golf. You guys shouldn't be upset when you lose in the playoffs because your team is garbage. Now stop it. Yeah. Thank you. No, that was my rant. You like that one? Stick stick with that, guys. Stick with that, guys. <laughs> so, well, speaking of Bad jobs. Let's talk about someone who did a good job. This um, Brian Dayball versus you know um, you know uh, Doug Peterson for Coach of the Year. I thought both of these teams, the Giants and the and the Jags, both get bounced out in the second round. But if I'd have told you, you know, <laughs> preseason that the Jaguars and Giants were going to be playing in the divisional round, you'd have, you'd have never believed that. I would have been, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I I. Uh... It's a great question, by the way. Um, you know, it's obviously relevant, but it's a great question to kind of think about. They both did such a tremendous job. I feel like the Giants 
was even more surprising. I agree. Than Jacksonville because that division, the AFC South was certainly not, you know, a, a powerhouse division. If we were looking that's at the reason. season. Yeah, that's the reason but because the I, division, because they were both terrible and, and we weren't sure how much of an albatross anchor uh, Urban Meyer was. And yeah. I think we found out he was quite, uh, quite a bit. So, but uh, I agree with you. I would have been more surprised to hear the giants in there because of the division. Uh, Jaguars had some sneaky, like, you know, quarterback and coach and new shiny new thing upside. So I agree. But if I'd have told you both of them not only made the playoffs, but advanced, that's the thing that would have been just mind bending. Yeah. So it's, it was wild because we have one of our, one of our hosts in the, in the goat district, uh, Andrew Schellenberg is a huge Jacksonville fan lives in Jacksonville, big Duval guy. So, you know, we were on Jacksonville beating fake sharp, uh, Brandon Staley and the chargers. We didn't think it would be in this amazing comeback mode, but yeah. Um, you know, that was kind of one you could see from a mile away, but the, the giants going on the road and beating Minnesota, even though the line was short, was just so impressive for, for Dable. I live on long Island, so I'm surrounded by a lot of giants people. Um, and it's just, Dable's just knocked it out, out of the park. They were pretty poor in the second half of the season. Um, you know, yes. just to be kind of devil's advocate, but yes, they were like three, six and one to finish yeah. the season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was bad. It was like a bad yep. final eight games, but the last game he did sit guys against Philly, yep. which was smart because they ended up getting the win against Minnesota. Um, but Dable did such a great job. And you talk about like me and you last summer could have predicted a, a Trevor Lawrence taking a, a big step in year two. I mean, it was predicted as guys, the first overall pick fairly Teflon in terms of that's a safe bet. Yeah. But Daniel Jones, there's a lot of people who wanted to run the guy out of town. Yep. There was people who thought Tyrod Taylor would end up seeing starts this year. And Dable had, Dable is the quarterback whisperer yeah. for, for all it said. What if, what, you know, what a fantastic player Josh Allen is, uh, you know, he put up these seasons with Dable um, yes. and, you know, he was a little more turnover prone this year without Dable. Yep. So we're, we're seeing how Dable's able to take a guy like Daniel Jones and, you know, produce top eight, you know, fantasy QB numbers and win all these games. And I think you also have to give Dable some credit um, for the staff that he hired. You know, getting Wink Martindale was such a, a big thing uh, for that defense. Uh, you know, he'd had such success as a Ravens guy, Ravens D coordinator over the years. And, you know, he was fantastic. So to me, Dable did it in a harder division, uh, getting out of the NFC, NFC East into the playoffs um, was super impressive. So to me, I think the Dable job was was just a little bit more impressive to me. Although Peterson was fantastic as well, getting that that uh, organization turned around so quickly. Yeah, it's funny, man, because it's such a hard one to answer. And I guess at the end of the day, it would be who would you would you choose either one of those guys as coach of the year? And if so, which one? It would have been Dable. Is that right? I would pick Dable, and I do think it's also like it just shows how more nuanced and ahead of the game people are. Like if this was ten years ago. They would have just given it to to Nick Sirianni, Sirianni yeah. who has such a talented roster, but he obviously maxed him out, and you know, obviously, still did a great job. But these guys that are able to take uh, teams and really turn them around and make a losing team into a winning team, I think that that's I think that's just awesome. Yeah, and I I, I would probably give it to Doug Peterson only because he was also dealing with a franchise that has been bereft of any sort of. I don't know, man, hope, you know, I mean, yeah. really, you know, I know they, they used to win back in the day, you know, they, you know, the Fred Taylor, Mark Brunel, you know, I, I know they've been there. I understand that, but it's like, I don't know. They, they've kind of been the laughing stock doormat of the NFL for quite some time now. 
Um, yeah, the, the, the even, whole thing with yeah. the, having to play all those games in London over the years yeah. was just kind of a defeating mentality when you do that <laughs> off the top. So yeah, he's definitely yeah, going to go for the organization. And I'll tell you what, they're they're they've got some legs heading into next season. Totally. Um, that team is has is really putting it together. Yep, absolutely. And and I and I got to give a lot of uh, a lot of that credit to Doug uh, Doug Peterson. I mean, he did have Trevor Lawrence, but we saw what what a bad coach can do with a great player last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it's really you know coaching. You, our friend, I, I know you do a lot of uh, work with player profile. Our friend, my friend, Matt Kelly always uh, tends to say that coaches matter very little. And, and I get that. I think that there's probably an overstatement of how important coaching is in all sports, by the way. I mean, yeah. the players play and they sometimes don't get any credit. So to that point. Mike's in the Joes, not the X's and the O's when yeah, it comes I down totally to agree with them. But, but f- I played football. For those of us who did, it, look, the play call is important, man. The scheme is important. I mean, you know, the way that you're coached up in, a, in an 11 on 11 is very important. It's not a, just a one-on-one type of thing. It is a group. It is a team. It's very, very different than even basketball. I mean, you know, it, the coaching matters more in NFL than I think any other sport. I, 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 I don't know if there's another sport I'm not thinking of, but certainly more than basketball, baseball, hockey. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so much more. And so the schemes, the way that they put their players in position, the advantages and the edges they are able to take and help their players take advantage of is huge. And I thought Doug Peterson did that. He did that in this game, coming back with that fourth and one play and, and the, <clears throat> excuse me, the the quarterback sneak two point play. I mean, he took advantage of edges and margins that were there and put his players in positions to win. And Lord, Lord knows that they did it. So uh, pretty cool. Speaking of which, uh, dynasty assets, T Law, man. I mean, Trevor Lawrence. You know, I've been you know, mid-season, early season, whatever the hell it was on this podcast, I was saying I'd take him ahead of the Dak and Kyler Murray uh, group, and I would trade one of those types of players for Trevor Lawrence plus profit. Now, you can trade Trevor Lawrence for Kyler Murray plus profit. I've seen those trades, uh, you know, out on the on the Twitter sphere. So, literally, that was obviously a good call back then. Are you that strong on him now? Would you trade you know, Kyler Murray plus profit to get T-Law or has that gone too far? No, I think that that's a great way of looking at things because I think that Lawrence is, we saw such improvement from year one to year two. There's no, there's nothing to be said that he can't take a next step next year. Right. So I think that Lawrence like, and when we, when we go back in and look at their college uh, profiles and their their prospect profiles, I mean, you you would have had, I'm, I'm pretty sure you graded Lawrence uh, extremely highly. It was hard to yes. find like a lot of holes in his game. And I think that the one negative was people thought that maybe he didn't have the potential to be truly elite. Bingo. Um, which yep. was, which is fine. And at the end yep. of the day, maybe he's not the kind of guy that's ever going to give you a QB one overall season. Right. But maybe. I do think he's capable of being multiple top five seasons just based on and also the fact that Jacksonville is doing whatever they can in order to put the right players around him yep started out with the the ETN pick which was you know however you want to cut it you know maybe maybe Urban Meyer had some weird ideas of how he's gonna use ETN but at the end of the day the, the organization added Lawrence's college teammate um in an important draft pick then this past offseason they get maligned by the entire Twitter sphere and, and also 
some very prominent uh, big blue check marks uh, in the ESPNs and CBS and, and whatnot and about. Well, and you know, you we can be correct on the fact yeah. that they they spend lavishly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they hit on all three of those guys. Christian yes. Kirk was a top fifteen wide receiver this year. Zay Jones finishes as a top, you know, essentially a wide receiver too. And Evan Ingram finishes as a top five wide receiver. They added, or excuse me, tight end. They yes. added team speed galore. They've improved the offensive line. So they're literally doing everything that they can. There's even talk this year, a lot of Jacksonville fans, uh, a lot of the a lot of the beat writers think that they might use that first round pick on another skill position guy just to ramp up the offense. And then they go and they very sharply trade for Calvin Ridley before the trade deadline, which when you look at this free agent class of wide receivers, Bingo. that was super sharp to do. Yep. To get ahead of the curve and 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 kind of beat the posse to get Ridley, even if he fails, they got him for a, for a relatively uh, cheap deal. Bingo. And if he hits, you he could be the the most targeted Jaguar next year if he really hits. Absolutely, I love this take. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean they they absolutely surround him. It looks like you know, look f- for for all of their flaws, Shad Khan has wanted to be a winner. Right. Like he hasn't been like afraid to like even signing Urban Meyer. Like, I don't know. He didn't know. Like he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't like, I heard there's some guy who, you know, you know, finger fuck these girls after the game. I want to get him in here. He didn't know that all that was going to be there. He, you know, oh, he kicks punters in the locker room. Bring him in. Like he just thought it was a big name and he, he went he went all in and. You know, so he's been trying to put stuff around his team that's going to make him win. Tom Coughlin, he's done it all. Like he's just like bring yeah. them all in. So now I think with Doug Peterson, I mean, look, Doug Peterson may be getting a little overrated as we start to move forward. Like, oh, he's the savior. But when you're in Jacksonville, he basically is the savior, man. I mean, and and for all we can say negative or positive about Doug Peterson, he's been a winner in the playoffs, man. You know, <laughs> yeah, mean, the guy's got stones. He does. You know, I mean, you think about like the guy has stones. You bring up the fourth and one play. Talk about the Philly special. Yep. I mean, when it goes down to it, there's a reason that the guy's got a statue Bingo. up outside the lake. You don't you don't get that by being passive. And you know, for better or for worse, Doug Peterson's going to go for the win um, and be an aggressive head coach. So I don't know. It's it's a lot to like. I, I like your idea of kind of paying up for for Lawrence. Um, yeah. You know, in in dynasty, you never really want to. Generally speaking, you want to you know buy low and sell high. But sometimes sure. the buy the buy high is the way to do it. Um, yeah. there's less people competing with you for, uh, for an asset that's kind of overpriced. Um, and at the end of the day, he's kind of overpriced for a reason. The guys, he's very safe. And I think in redraft, he's very safe next year as well. I think you're, yeah. you're looking at, you know, somewhere around QB eight in redraft next year. Um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. And, and so you mentioned the, the Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram. I, I would, I don't know what they're going to do with Evan Ingram. I think he's free, but a uh, free agent that is, but whatever, you know, they, they've got some weapons, ETN, a guy that was pretty, uh, you know, target heavy was Zay Jones. And while he isn't an elite player, he was producing pretty, pretty well, you know, in terms of fantasy production and on the field, um, with Ridley Kirk and all these other weapons, and maybe they draft a guy, Man, is Zay Jones a life a lifeboat, or is he a is he a sinking ship? I mean, maybe jump off here. Well, I think it's kind of like there's not necessarily so in Dynasty. I think some people always think that people are going to pay for you know a guy who produced. No right. one's going to pay you too much for Zay Jones in Dynasty. Totally, yeah. Totally. So you're almost better off just you know if you have him rostered, you just bank the points. 
The guy is he's he had 82 catches. He went over 800 yards. And he had five touchdown catches. Uh, he was a reliable weapon. You bring up the the Ingram being a free agent. I've got to think that that both sides want to make it happen to have him come I back agree. to Jacksonville. Yeah. If he does leave, though, you know they could be a little bit more uh, wide receiver centric and a little less tight end centric. Yep. Um. So Jones is somewhat interesting, but I would look at him more as like a potential dynasty buy just based on how cheap he is right. than a guy I'd want to get like, Oh, you know, Hey, let me get like a third round pick for Zay Jones. It's, it's going to be hard for me to, to, to hit, to, to hit on that pick based where I kind of had like the bird in the hand with, with Jones right now. Well, he's more Theo, of a receiver Theo, four, but hey, Theo in your, in your intro for goat district, there's a, there's a line. It's a cool little rap. And it says, I don't, I'm going to bastardize it. So I apologize. But it says, when I make a trade, I make them real confusing, right? Yeah. You know, it's a great line because it's 100% true. It's Dynasty Game Theory 101. It's, you know, it's put a bunch of shit into a trade. So that way you're getting the guy you want. But you put, you know, you know, it's like uh, you put a $10 piece and a $20 piece on this side, then another $30 piece on this side. And then, oh, let me give you this other $50 piece. And then you take the $100 piece from the other guy and go, and this. And look, all that evens out. And somehow you traded a bunch of garbage, but you got the hundred dollar piece, right? You know, and, and that's that's how you do really creative trades where people go, "What was all that?" And then you somehow have fucking Justin Jefferson. You know what I mean? It's like, a, yeah. yeah, I don't know what happened. Yada yada yada. Now I've got him. Um, but I think that's where Zay is one of those guys. It's like another guy you could throw into a trade where you know it's like I give you Zay, I give you this and that, and a first rounder, and somehow something's coming my way. Oftentimes, when I say sell a guy, I, I don't really mean one for one. You know, it's one of those guys where nobody buys Zay Jones. But when they look at a trade and they're getting something else, they look at it and go, and I'm getting Zay Jones, right? Who, who hasn't said that in Dynasty? Like, and I'm getting this guy. You know, yeah. he's pretty good. And that's where his value has some value. If by next year he's not playing and it's, you know, it's Ridley and Kirk and, Ingram and sometimes Zay plays, but he's really only getting a target or two a game. And it's like, fuck, man. Remember when Zay was good last year? And now he's worthless. Now you can yeah. throw him in and they're like, they're like, I don't give a shit. Now someone's like, well, hey, at least Zay Jones, hey, he had an 80 target. You know what I mean? So I think that's how I'd sell him. But I think I am maybe moving off. Although I, I agree with your keeping him in, in pocketing points if he can get there next year. You 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 bring up a great, great point and, you know, kind of o- overloading one side of a trade. It's easy to kind of break a trade calculator. Yes. Uh, if you're a dynasty player, you know, and you see a guy that you think is using calculators, a lot of times somebody will even tell you in a trade negotiation, "Hey, this calculator I'm using uh, has me winning the trade." Like, bingo. What do you tell me what calculator you're using? You know, I'll put together a trade where I, it's not it's not too hard. You know, I'll throw a couple of future thirds in there, yes. and a couple of Zay Jones, and all of a sudden, hey, you win the trade. <laughs> That's right. So, yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. And people do. They they will literally tell you, bro, that's not fair. And they'll mention calculator X said you're an idiot. You're like, yeah, you're right, man. And then you just don't don't argue. Just go back, fashion a trade on that motherfucker where you're like, this is ridiculous. Send it. Be like, is this better, man? You know? And he's like, shit, yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting. You know, it's and that's something we could that's a great offseason uh topic is uh communication and trades. Yeah. Where some people, re- you know, and if I'm in a league with you and I've done a bunch of, you know, and I and I think you're super sharp and a tough, you know, a guy that I'm not going to, it's basically going to have to be an even trade to get it done. Maybe right. I would discuss it. Yes. But I think that from a general perspective, not saying anything on 
comments is probably the way to go from a from a top dynasty perspective because yes. you don't want to give away too much information in negotiating yeah. unless I have a, a personal relationship with somebody. So it's an, it's an interesting way of going about things. That's right. Sometimes I've 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 te- uh, you know texted something into a DM and looked at him and like why am I saying all that? Just delete and been like, got it, man. You know, yeah. and like got it. I got you, bro. Like just I don't need to. You know, I've I've said this a bunch of times, Theo. You don't need to educate your league. Yeah. That's not your job. You know, you don't need to be like, bro, Calvin Ridley's coming off the suspension. But, but the, you don't need to fucking do it. Yeah. Don't, it's not your job. You don't, you're not helping anything. The only thing you really want to do is maybe coax. Like, hey, man, you never know. You know, Calvin Ridley could be, you know, I don't know, man. Yeah. You know, that's different. But if someone says something stupid, I've always said, don't, don't, don't coach them up because you now know where the mark is. If someone sends you a badass trade, like this happened just the other day, by the way, this is one guy in my league and he sends me all these trades all the time. And like a lot of them are bad. And I'm, I'm just like, no, thank you. I move on. And they're bad in his favor, right? Like I would never fucking, we're not even close. He sent me another one that was bad in my favor. Like it was, he was giving up. It was just a bad trade and I hit accept and it was mine. And people are like, what the fuck was that? And I'm like, <laughs> Offered and accepted, like no fucking dude, get out of here. That was just that was, and and because I don't need him to be any smarter. I just need him to keep sending those awful trades, and eventually he's going to step in it. And I let him step in it, and that's what happens. And you know that that's totally fine. But you also don't want to ruin the relationship. Be like, dude, you send me one more fucking trade like that, I'm gonna fucking. Blah. It's like, yeah, what do you give a shit? Who care? This is one of my pet peeves, Theo. I, guy sends me a bad trade like that. I immediately send him one back. That's worse. Blah. It's like, why? What the fuck is your problem? Like it really bugs you so much that you got a shitty trade on a fucking, on your phone. Like what? I don't, that blows my mind. Just laugh, giggle, decline and fucking move on with your day. You fucking weirdos. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that you, 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 assuming, assuming that you're dealing with somebody who's knowledgeable is just a poor way of going about doing it. Sometimes people send yes. bad trade offers because they don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. And, you know, to like you said, you know, hitting accept, 100% you do it. But at the end of the day, cursing somebody out on a trade <laughs> offer, you're not going to get a future trade offer done. And cursing out somebody who knows less than you is counterproductive. Right. Yes. Yes. It's so funny. I, I love it. Hopefully hopefully that rant was was fun. Some of you guys, if you're like, no, man. I mean, really check yourself. Like, hopefully you guys got that, man, because that is the dumbest thing. Like, literally, you're getting personally attacked by two firsts for fucking Josh Jacobs. or Whatever your problem is, is like, why are you upset? What what part of it is a negative on your actual human level? Like, it's just, I don't even understand. It's like, it's, it's a funny little thing that you move past. It's all good. I love it. I actually love it, again, because you know you're going to get over on that dude eventually time will be on your side just hang in there and eventually that idiot who we all understand is an idiot because he sent you that stupid trade will step in it let him yep. step in 100 so um speaking of stepping in it is there a problem in buffalo now i mean it certainly it certainly looks like it um you know it's what a like roller coaster ride for these for these fans i mean you had the the awful yeah. situation with with Demar Hamlin, and then the just emotional joy of him recovering health wise. The Patriots game was just like a perfect storm. Not for you, I know you're a Patriots fan. Actually, it was great. We, we was, needed to lose that game. Yeah, 
Well, what are we going to do? We're not winning the Super Bowl. So get out yeah. of the playoffs, get a better draft pick. It, it made him fire the offensive coordinator. Like, all was better. It was actually better. And I know it probably sounds a little, you know, you know, whatever, because we've won so much. But no, no, it really was the it was the better outcome for us. So it's fine, uh, but you're right. Teams with a losing record losing that last game is is always the better outcome, even though it's yes. hard for the swallow. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, Patriots fans that, that would have loved to see them, you know, beat Buffalo in the last game. But sure. neither here nor there. You know, they have the just the, the perfect storm game where they have the 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 kickoff return for a touchdown. They have the multiple interceptions, multiple touchdown passes from Josh Allen. I mean, it was just a perfect storm. And then, you know, to go on to the Miami game, uh, that Miami game, you know, kind of revealed a lot where, you know, Josh Allen gets sacked five times. Uh, they, they're, they're having difficulty blocking Miami. The ball just seemed to bounce Miami's way. Um, I mean, that game should have told us a lot. I think for, for, me, for me, I thought that Buffalo would kind of turn it around and get it right against Cincinnati. And it was a situation where I was wrong. Um, you know, I predicted a Buffalo win and I should have seen this one coming. Cincinnati's just been playing better. Um, and they have like less chinks in the armor. Yeah. The, I think that for me that the main issue was they can't block up front. I mean, they, they, he, Josh Allen, there was yeah. eight quarterback hits. Cincinnati only had one sack. So just going by the box score, you know, they looked better than Miami, but he was hit eight times. And they're just not able to, you know, keep a clean pocket for him. And I think that really showed in the playoffs. So I think that that's something they basically they have a lot of things that they need to improve on. And I think that a lot of what they've done has been based on having a strong defense and having the maybe the best quarterback in football. But that offense has, has really kind of been exposed a little bit, and the defense took sure. a step back big time. Yeah, for sure. I think the the thing with the offensive line, I think some people have said it. I'm not. It's not like an original uh, thought, but I think it's definitely true. I agree with it. Is in the snow, you know, the get off of the defensive line is not the same. So, like, if you're a marginal offensive tackle or you know offensive lineman you're not going to get roasted. You you basically have an extra step to kind of – everybody's got a little bit of loose footing. So, it, you know, you've got an advantage insofar as they don't have the advantage anymore with their, their athleticism against your, you know, stiff ass. So I think it kind of it kind of levels the playing field of the line play. I, you know, I've seen enough snow games in, in New England where Brady used to be real smart. Like he would hold the ball much longer because he knew the rush was going to take a much longer time to get to him. So he was able to be patient, stand in the pocket. You saw some of that from Joe Burrow, um, you know, doing the same type of thing where he was patient and making throws. And it takes a second for it's it's just a longer play because guys aren't able to run as fast and cut as hard, both on the defensive line and out in in the pattern. So, you know, they they played it well, um, but Buffalo does have some problems. Um, You know, unfortunately, you know, I don't know. I don't think one of them is Josh Allen. I was going to ask you if there's a Josh Allen problem. I don't think there is. Uh, I think that there's some people who are like very reactionary as they are with Dak, and they're 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 looking to put Josh like, you know, into the, some next level like down of elite quarterbacks. I think that's a mistake. I do think like it was weird that like in a snow game he wasn't running the football as much. Like that should have been a game where he kind of dominated with his physicality a little bit more. So I was a little bit disappointed with that, but that's again some of that game planning and coaching. You know, you get a guy to the sideline, go, "Hey, man, listen, seven yards, you know, is there for you." I know, you know, I know he's been hurt, but this is playoffs. Let's go. You know. Yeah, it was odd. Um, 
just looking at the offense, I think that the we've seen for a few weeks where people have said, you know, I've read some, you know, opposing scouts and the notes and whatnot is that nobody is scared of their receivers anymore. Right. Like it's a one man show really when it comes to the wide receivers. Diggs is an elite player, but Diggs is 30 years old. Right. And the players that they've surrounded, the fact that Cole Beasley comes in and is able to just meaning play meaningful snaps right away just goes to show you kind of what they have there. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they have a, a, a number of kind of okay guys. Um, I yep. think that we kind of, Gabe Davis is just not who we thought he was in terms Correct. of Gabe Davis to me is the kind of guy that you want as, as your deep threat. And I think he's good at that. Um, you know, but they need another receiving threat in Buffalo. Uh, I think it's very, very clear. I'm not sure how they're going to go about and address that this off season, but I think you really need to improve your, your wide receiver two opposite from Diggs. Um, Dawson Knox is a touchdown threat, but he's not some dynamic, you know, route runner that that can really help elevate Allen as well. So they've really kind of overachieved based on the weapons they have. And then you also look at the fact that the the running game has the the three man uh you know rotation just does not work. Right. I would go and embrace James Cook and see what I have there and yeah. add another back. That would be kind of how I would approach it this offseason. Um, you know. Last last year, you know they they were a team that was mentioned as a potential landing spot for a Brees Hall. If you imagine a Brees Hall in Buffalo, how he could yeah. have helped them this season. Um, you know they end up drafting a, a, a cornerback, and and he he wasn't bad. But I think that the, I think that it was kind of like the kind of hubris that they that they didn't recognize that they needed to add offensive skill position weapons, and we as a fantasy community just kind of assumed. Gabe Davis taking this massive uh, step this year. Um, It was kind of the wrong approach. Yep, I agree. And the other thing that's interesting, too, is like, you know, I like Khalil Shakir. I like Gabe Davis. I like Stefan Diggs. It's not like that's bad, right? But I think that all three of those players are a bit more downfield players, and their offensive line didn't really let Josh Allen play downfield their running game didn't let him play play action downfield right there was a there was a lot of things that just don't work together so you know in order to get the ball downfield you do have to have time to do so right yes it's it's not like oh no just throw it downfield it's like well fucking i'm what'd you say he was hurried and hit eight times or hit eight, eight times, times right? yep and in one so, i mean you know that's that's a lot you know that's that's getting touched and so therefore you know the offensive line i think is where they should probably focus um, and just come back with a better scheme a little bit. I mean, you're right. If they focus on offensive line, if look, running back is not something you have to overinvest in. I mean, I'm sure Bijan would be great wherever he goes, but they don't have to pick that. They, you know, they can get a Kendra Miller or something, you know, further on down the line and make it happen. Speaking of which, by the way, let's talk about some of these 2023 20, running backs because that's what people want to hear, man. So last week, I literally, um, you know, started talking about some of the running backs. You know, I, I started to you know do some film work. I didn't even know how to say my like favorite running back's name. I like fucked it up, which is tells you everything I need to, you need to know about where I'm at in the pro- process. I'm early on, but after checking out my man, I really I really did fall in love with my with my guy Izzy. So, but in general, I'd, let's start at the top. How do you sort of see this class in general? Like, if you just had to sort of characterize it, what do you think of this 2023 running back rookie class? I mean, I think it's tremendous because I yeah. think it's it's very deep, um, yeah. and I think that that our second round picks are going to be valuable this year, just based on the fact that there's so many running backs. 
Um, you know, I like a few of the wide receivers. I'm sure you do as well. Um, you know, then you have obviously, you know, Michael Mayer uh, and some appealing tight ends that I think will be, uh, you know, heavily drafted. But the reason that we, the reason the 2023 picks were so valuable was partly because people wanted that, that lottery pick to get Bijan, um, who's about as can't miss as, as it comes. Yep. But I think that the fact that if you've loaded up on 2023 firsts and seconds, you're going to have access to a number of running backs that can help you. And I think that's what's so appealing about this class. And you also have a perfect storm from a dynasty perspective that we've seen this year in the top 12 running back scorers, only one player was a second year or rookie player uh, was Ramondre Stevenson. Um, and he's a little bit older when it comes to a second year guy in general. The other, the other 11 scores were in their third year or above. We've seen such success from that 2017 running back class. Yep. Um, but all those guys are getting older. Yep. So this year could kind of be a changing of the guard based on you have so many teams that have free agent running backs. So many running backs are going to get drafted on the, the first and second days of the NFL draft. And just a lot of guys where you kind of squint and you watch their tape and you say, wow, this guy could be a pretty good NFL running back. So I'm, I'm getting more and more excited about this running back class. Um, and I'm kind of doing what I can with my dynasty teams to put myself in a position to draft multiple runners. Um, not only some of the guys we think will be at the very top. I love that. That's it. That's man. What the hell am I even doing here? Just keep asking this dude questions. This is, this is absolutely nailing it. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you said it perfect. And it's like, yeah, you got Bijan, who's the lock. And then you got a lot of guys. And so, you know, how, you know, the combine will tell us a story. The, uh, the draft always tells us a story, but it, from, from this angle at, as of right now, looking at their production, looking at some tape, looking at their size profiles, et cetera, there's a number of guys that are, that are really exciting. Um, you know, I would ask this though, you know, when we start to look at the top, we kind of all agree it's Bijan. And then there is a consensus number two. And he somehow, I think it's kind of like Bijan and then the number two and then everybody else is kind of the way everybody's sort of playing this class right now. And, and that number two is Jameer Gibbs. I, I, Jameer Gibbs has been a, a, you know, an elite prospect since day one in, in Georgia Tech. He's been a fast player. I mean, there's, there's highlights of him going back to his freshman season where it's like, dude, this, is a, this guy's good. Look at him go. So he's been out of the box. Great. Is he an NFL sure bet at this point? I think he is. I Me think too. he's a guy that, that I'd be really betting on. Um, I think that he's got a receiving floor where I think a lot of the guys that, that yeah. we have seen have success in fantasy football um, are able to catch the ball. And I think any team drafting Jameer Gibbs um, is looking him that way. So I also think there's a, he's going to have the draft capital. Yep. Um, I think he's a, he's a lock to be like a top 50 pick, but I think there's a chance he could sneak in the back. If Bijan gets drafted higher than we think, and I think Bingo. that like if Bijan goes in the top 10, which yep. absolutely could happen, um, let's say Bijan goes in the top 15, somebody trades up and gets him, or one of these teams just says, you know, I'm taking this stud then I think that the market for Gibbs in that, you know, the 20 through 30 um, yep, yep. really becomes there. So if he gets drafted in the first round, then he's the 102. It's, it's no doubt about it. But even if he gets drafted in the second, I think that there's a very strong case for him as the 102. 
Um, he's got a great profile. I think two things that stood out for me stats wise was um, Georgia Tech. You know, obviously there's less good players around him, but he takes a step up in competition at Alabama, and he averages more yards per carry um, at Alabama than he did at Tech. He went over six yards a carry at Alabama this year. Um, he's he's got a great shiftiness about him, and he also caught over 40 balls this year. I believe he had 44 catches for Alabama. Yep. So, you know, he took the – he was a coveted transfer, goes to Alabama, um, but he was highly productive at Georgia Tech before he gets to Alabama, does well at two schools. And I think that with the, the NIL era, I think seeing guys uh, produce at two places is, is a real positive. Um, you know, going in and stepping into a new scheme and, and you know, improving – in such a short period of time, uh, whereas you think of like the old mentality of a college back is a guy who, you know, learned the system and then he just explodes. The fact that Gibbs was able to do it two schools, I think, is another big check off for him. Yes. Um, but like you start, I mean, I've seen some people, you know, their their comparisons. It's kind of like a litmus test. I think that, you know, you've I've seen somebody put him on Jamal Charles level, um, sure. it's, you know, and I, I think you can squint and see it. But I do think that a. An Aaron Jones, I think, is a, is a is a fair comparison. Yep. A guy that we see, uh, you know, excel as a receiver, but also is is a strong runner. And we've seen a lot of guys that are Jameer Gibbs's size do very well over the last few years, fantasy wise. So, to me, I feel really good about Gibbs. Um, I think everybody has him in their top three. Most people have them have has their RB two. Yeah. But even if he doesn't land like as cleanly as as we'd like. Um, I think he's going to dust some other running back who's around him, you know, sooner than later. Yeah, I love it. Great take. I, I agree with the two school success. Um, he was very successful at Georgia Tech. I'm told that Georgia Tech is a very like archaic passing game um, that they're not exactly like throwing it all over the field. He had uh, 24 and 35 catches in his first two seasons for 12 and 13 yards a catch at Georgia Tech. Well, that's pretty fucking good. Yeah. This guy has been a walking seven yards. Like he's seven yards per play for three straight years. Six, eight, six, eight, seven. So, I mean, yeah, he's been successful. It wasn't, a you know, I had a couple big plays that one year and it kind of made him look like he's no, no. He's just always really, really good. You know, o- averages over 10 yards per catch on volume. That's pretty incredible, especially go look at Devin A. Chain this year. I think he's like five yards a catch. I mean, so it's not like just automatic. Well, you get catches. Of course, you're going to get yards. No, 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 no. This guy's able to to catch the ball going down the field. He's able to catch the ball in ways like Christian McCaffrey's able to catch the ball, which is as a receiver. Um, so I think he's a pretty special player as well. Now, you could start to argue and start to worry about usage and, you know, but I think you're right. I think if, if someone's going to draft him that high, which it all all signs point to him having that type of draft capital, that was also a great point at the beginning that if if, uh, if Bijan goes early, I think he could also then sort of fill that next spot. Uh, Bijan's going to sort of start the the, the, the dominoes, uh, so to speak. So, yeah, I agree with all that. And I think there's going to be some teams that really view him as a special type of weapon uh, given the way that the league is moving to a shorter passing game. He fits right in there, man, and able to run the football. I'd like to see how big he is, you know, both, uh, you know, height and weight. And, of course, we'll like to see him run. But just on the surface of things, he seems like my clear uh, running back two in this class. And while there's no such thing as a can't miss, I think he's as as close to that as, as we'd like to see it at that spot. 
And I will add that um, Matt Hicks was in the GOAT district uh, last night. And Matt, is a, he's the fantasy, fantasy football educator, if you're looking to follow him on Twitter. He's great. Uh, we've had John Lobb in the district, uh, two guys I really, really respect. But Matt Hicks has Gibbs grading out as highly as Ken Walker and, and Brees Hall. Um, so if he would have put, like, last year's top two with this year's, uh, you know, Bijan and Gibbs, he, he made the point that he thought Gibbs was, was grading um, very closely to Hall and Walker. He had Hall and Walker closer than, than a lot of people did. So um, he obviously has all three behind Bijan. But, you know, that spoke volumes to me. So I think Gibbs is, Gibbs is, is pretty Teflon. I don't think we need to really overthink it too much uh, right. with him. I think you're right. Um, what, what's really going to happen is these, you know, the round two, maybe dipping into round three, you know, the sort of the, 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 the next level running backs. And look, we've, we've, we've highlighted them on this show. I mean, when this show first started, this was a Ramondre Stevenson, Elijah Mitchell program. And, uh, you know, that turned out to be a very n- nice, uh, nice wagon to hitch to, uh, you, last ran, year, you ran pure with your Elijah Mitchell calls. You were all over that one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I did. I did. I ran very, very pure with Elijah Mitchell for a while. Um, I, Ray GQ definitely beat me to it. I didn't, I didn't know he beat me to it, but he did, <laughs> you know, I was like, not that, you know, of course I'm not the first person to ever hear about him, but I was definitely on the train. As soon as I started to discover him, I was like, wait, this guy's good. You can uh, there's another guy. Like, if you want to, if like, and I'll give you, you know, yeah. obviously Scott is, Scott is really, really sharp with anybody, you know, listening to your pod, obviously thinks you're sharp, but you're, you were super sharp with your Elijah Mitchell, how you're able to watch his film, you know, Ray GQ, there's a few other guys. And then Nelson Sousa, who's one of the better yes. high stakes players, um, I split a couple teams with, he was all over Elijah Mitchell, just based on, Hey, I really like this guy's film. So like, a lot of sharp people were able to see that and a hat tip to you for being one of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Nelson's brilliant. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's really good. Uh, so, and then last year, Rashad White was that guy. Uh, we liked Tyler Algier early on. Um, you know, there were some others. Uh, Keontae Ingram hasn't shown himself, but, you know, th- that was great. And so this year, there's definitely going to be, well, there's one guy I'm madly in love with, and maybe you'll steal my thunder, but that's okay. You can. It's, you know, it's your, you know, I get to do this show every week. But um, who are some of the, the the round two and three targets in this 2023 class that you'd start to sort of zone in on? Well, I, I think that that uh, Zach Charbonnet for UCLA is yeah. one that I'm I'm really into. Um, I'll give John Lobb is has him as his RB two um, overall ahead of ahead of uh, Jameer Gibbs. So, but I'm not quite there. But I think Charbonnet is really kind of a he's the kind of guy that that could get drafted and end up with, you know, eight to 10 touchdowns his rookie season. He could, he's okay. that got that profile. Um, I've been watching film on him, and there's a lot to like. He's a hard runner. He's got yes. size. He was a Michigan transfer to UCLA. Um, so he, he, he was on two schools. And you could just go back and watch that big UCLA win over, over LSU, how he was just, just running through that LSU defense. Um, I believe he had 62 touchdowns in his in his UCLA career, and he can also catch the ball. So to me, I think just based on his size and his profile, um, I really like Charbonnet a lot. Um, now, where he gets drafted, I'm not sure, but I think he's a lock to go on day. I think I think he's a lock to go on day two. Yeah, um, we'd love to see him land in the second round. 
But if he lands in the third round, I, I still, I still really like the profile. So you, you, you made a, you said 62 touchdowns. You meant 62 catches. He actually had 61 catches. Obviously, you know, he didn't score 62 touchdowns in two oh, years. Me. Yeah, I meant the, yeah. sorry, the, the catches. Yeah, that would have been a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, that's a lot of touchdowns yeah. in two years. Yeah, so he, he catch the ball that, as a big guy. Yep. But I wanted to, people all of a sudden were fucking opening up their Google machine going, what? You got you to you edit that out. You got you to put a voiceover. No, no, no. It's yeah. good. It's good. Because I want people to be like, no shit. This guy must be better than I thought. Like yeah, that, no, we're no, not no. editing. He's good. He's good, though. He had, it, was, uh, it was a faux pas. The fact that you remember that he had 61 because you weren't looking at anything. It was actually 61 catches in two seasons. You're absolutely 100% right that he showed a catch uh, receiving ability that we weren't sure was there from his time at Michigan where he only had 14 catches. So – Here's the thing. I, I I peaked a little bit of Zach Charbonnet film, and he runs through contact a little bit. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna light up the world at the combine. I think he's gonna be a little bit slow. I think he's gonna be on the, you know, uh, David Montgomery, Brian Robinson spectrum where he's you know, hey Tyler Algier type player. I mean, these are good players. I'm not saying he's he's bad. I think he's a good player. I don't know that he has elite ceiling, although as you point out, if you can score touchdowns, that that can be elite. And he's proven to be able to to catch the football. So I am very intrigued by Zach Charbonnet. His red flag, or not red flag, but his sort of thing that he's not elite at will be athleticism. But he's a hell of a tackle breaker. You know, you put on the film and he's able to break tackles. And that's another thing that also sort of translates generally from the college game to the pro game is tackle breaking. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't hate Zach Charbonnet. We sort of poo-pooed him on last year's program heading into the process, but he smartly stayed in school and put together his very, very best season. Now, he should have. He was a senior, but still did it. You know, he, he averaged seven yards a, 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 a carry, had 37 re- receptions and 14 total touchdowns. Um, very, very impressive. In only yeah, 10 I, games. I like I like, only I like him a lot, and then I'll also throw out that I I really like uh, Sean Tucker. Yeah, um, I'm into Tucker. I think he's got explosive uh, big playability. Um, I, I I'm interested to see how much he's going to weigh in at. Yeah. I know they have him listed at 205, but that's always like you know there's a lot of guys listed in their their college uh, profile as 205 pounds because it sounds <laughs> exactly. pretty good. Some are 215 but, and some are 185. That's right. Yeah, 100. So yeah. I'm interested in, in to see how, how Tucker will do. I know that he's he seems a bit polarizing kind of with yep. people I respect and where they're putting him. I, some people have him, you know, way up there as a, as a dynasty, you know, for rookie first round pick and some have him as a late second rounder. So I think he's the kind of guy where we'd like to see him land well. Um, but there was a lot to like about him. Um, he caught 36 balls last year um, at Syracuse and that was second on the team. Um, we saw Syracuse kind of have a, take a big step forward as a program. Um, they won a number of games this year, and a lot of it was because of Tucker. He was kind of the show, um, but you know, defenses still didn't really shut him down. So I, I like him a lot. I think he's the kind of guy that we're, we're drafting in the second round of rookie drafts, and I think yep. he can end up paying off. Yeah, I was uh, a little bit too far out in front of Sean Tucker, and I've really pulled back a little bit. Um, I, you know, the size concerns. Um, look, he didn't have as good a season this year as he did last year. Uh, he played 12 games this year and last you know, yards per carry down from five, uh, from six, one to five, one and the yards per catch from 12, eight to seven, one. So I don't know, man, you know, it's not like that's bad. I mean, he put up th- over 1300 yards and 13 touchdowns, uh, as a, you know, as a junior basically. So 
yeah, that's still very, very good. He's very explosive. He's very fast. Um, you know, I don't know that he's quite the player. Look, last year he, he rushed for 1,500 yards and put up 1,750 total yards with 14 touchdowns. Absolutely electric. You know, if he did, if he replicated that again and was really dominant for a great Syracuse team, I'd like him even more. There's some holes in his game in terms of him maybe just not being big enough um, and not necessarily slick enough for his size. You know, so he may be a little bit of a tweener. And I think that I fear that the NFL might agree, and he may slip a little bit in the draft. Draft capital will also help him. He's going to be fast. Dude is fast. So speed is there. Um, He's a good football player, period. Just whether or not he's able to command a backfield is my my concern. Does that make sense, Theo? In other words, I think he's good. I just don't know if he's going to command a backfield and be this A-type player in the NFL. Yeah, and again, when we're talking about these guys in in January – you know, the, 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 you bring up draft capital. Draft capital is a, is a great predictor of fantasy success with these running backs. And, you know, like you said, if, if he falls and ends up being a, you know, a, a fourth round fourth. pick, fifth yeah. round pick, then obviously it's a lot less appealing than a third round pick. You, you, you know, we saw success with Rashad White this year, but Rashad White being a day two pick. Um, you know, really, really helped him a lot in terms of kind of how we could evaluate him. Yep. Um, and I think this year, maybe we got a little bit spoiled with the success of, you know, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, where you had a couple of these guys, you know, give us a lot of fantasy production um, on day three. That's, you know, less likely to happen. But either way, you know, if he lands well, I think he's interesting. Um, and then Kendra Miller is a guy that Ooh, I really like. There we go. Um, I, I, I think that I might have him a little bit higher than some. Um, I, we like him a lot at Player Profiler. Um, he's he's ranked very highly for for the rookie rankings over there. Um, I think there's a lot to like about him. I think that he could project as a guy who's a, more of a two way back uh, in yep. the NFL. Um, and he's I like the fact that he's only 20 years old. Um, yep. You saw Zach Evans uh, left TCU, uh, so Kendra Miller kind of had the backfield to himself this year, and we saw how successful they were as an offense. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm really into Miller. I think Miller's the kind of guy that could rise up. Um, I do think he will be a day two pick. Um, I feel pretty safe about that. And somebody's going to really, really like him. Yeah, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. I love Kendra Miller. I think he's, you know, you watch him, he's listed. I don't know. He's, I don't, he's, I think he's listed at like six foot two fifteen. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to, to know just how big these guys are. Like, I don't know if you remember, you know, with uh, Kenny Gainwell, they had him like at 5'11", 190 or something like that. I'm like, dude, that's not good. And it turned out he was like closer to 5'9 than 5'11". I don't remember his exact measurements, but like why they needed to make him so tall in the program or whatever, you know, it's like, he does not basketball, you know. BMI matters for these guys, you know. BMI is more important. Exactly. I was like, 100%. So, like, when he was short, I was like, whew, thank God. I thought this guy was, like, fucking Devontae Smith in the backfield. That's not good. You know, so, yeah, the BMI matters. So, I, you know, yeah, it matters. I know it sounds so stupid every time I bring it up, but it really matters if these guys are able to sort of, you know, handle the the, the pounding that an NFL running back takes. But this Kendra Miller has been, you know, just lights out. I, I am going to watch some more of his tape. It, you know, he's so good, it reminds me a little bit of – um uh, Daryl Henderson, when he was so good at Memphis, it's like, you just see these numbers. He was 7.2, 7.5 and 6.2, a carry. So he's almost seven yards a carry for his career. Like that's a lot. 
And so, you know, if he's that good, that's one thing. But if he was running through just gaping holes, you know, in the Big 12, I don't really know. I'm I'm not a college football fan, but, you know, I want to see him make some guys miss and, and you know, do some things that, that create those yards rather than just sort of, oh, there he goes again. It's just fucking fast guy on a, against a bad team so often like we saw with Memphis, you know. So, um that, that that that's my only sort of concern. Have you watched enough to to sort of see him, uh, you know, create, if you will? No, you know, for for me, I'm I'm still kind of early on. Um, me too. Yeah, I'll I'll have watched a lot more in a in a month. You can ask me a little bit more on that sort of thing. But I, I did like what I saw from him. Um, you know, from what I did see with TCU this me year. Me too. I mean, they had a they had a tremendous offense, and he was definitely a, a very very big part of it. And like he hit his seven point one, uh, you know, yards uh, against Michigan as well. So that game was like like a wide open game, but um, you know, he had a shorter volume, but he certainly looked good with with what he did. Um, that game was wild. It's a hard game to to judge uh, running backs off of, but um, you know, I I think the fact that he's younger putting up those stats, and I think that he's an early declare. Um, you know, he's checking off a lot of boxes here, and I I, I do think that he'll end up with the draft capital we want. My my guy, I've got to I've got to go there. I I messed up his name last week because I was trying to just name some guys that I was going to scout, and I turned on the film for Israel Abanacanda. Yeah, and I immediately was like, well, wait, why isn't this guy fucking RB two in this class? Like, where is he going? And I looked and like mock drafts have him in like the third fourth round. I'm like, wait, maybe I'm missing something. Like this guy looks fucking dope, and so yeah. I don't I don't know, man. He's he seems like he's one of the fastest guys in the world. <laughs> and then he's big. He's got those ass legs. I mentioned that about Javante a couple years ago. Like he's got the ass legs where it's like, it's all where you want it. You want the weight, you know, at that low center of gravity where he can take contact and move on. He does that. And then he runs away from fools. Like this guy was super productive. Um, he's a junior. He's young. I, I am all in on Israel Abanacanda. And I want to and he I, is two fifteen. Like they list him yes. two fifteen, you can tell by looking at him that he's two fifteen. That I mean, that kid is a beast. He's gonna rise. He's gonna rise. And it and 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 you know, obviously, I, I wish I had the 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 mouthpiece that would make his ADP go up. I'm sure I don't. But um, you know, for for whatever part I have, I'm making his his ADP rise. Yeah. Um, so because I can't, I I just don't know. I mean. Early second, I'm so happy to push the button right now for this kid. Yeah, 100. percent I think that that's a uh, a great a great uh, place to get him. Um, and I and I think that like there's names ahead of him that I think he could pass. Yeah. Um, like I think that there's a lot of smart people kind of on him. He's got a cool name. You know, yeah. is he is, is he a Vanacanda? I mean, that sounds yes. like a pro bowler. Yes, so, I agree 100. percent He wins the name battle immediately. Totally 100. percent Yeah, it's it's definitely a cool name. It's definitely a cooler name than like Sean Tucker. Yeah. Um, but I think that he's, you know, from the tape that I've seen on him, um, he looks very good. And he that 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 big that that Tennessee game, he looked good. I mean, he's looked good in a number of these big spots. Um, so you know, a lot of people might have watched like Kenny Pickett or Jordan Addison film and then saw Banacanda and you know, the guy's the guy's absolutely a baller. So I do think that he's like he's gonna rise up. Um, and I believe he's only 20 as well. I love these yeah, guys who are 20 years old. Yep. Like we think Javante Williams was a, was a 20 year old when he was drafted. Yep. Um, you know, I, I love getting these guys that are very young. Um, I think there's always, it's always, 
it's always interesting to get these guys like a year or two earlier into the league. Um, I think it kind of speaks volume to their talent that the fact that they're getting drafted that highly at that age. Totally. I totally agree. I'm so in on this kid. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, all of the measurables and, and, and the uh, draft capital and the speed will, will tell the story, but he may, he may make himself some money at the combine too, because if he's like a legit five ten and a half two fifteen, or, you know, maybe if he's a little bit more, and if he can run the four fours somehow, like, you know, people will just be like, yikes. I mean, he looks explosive too. He's probably going to jump pretty well at the combine if he does all that stuff. Like, I don't know, man. This kid, he looks strong. Maybe he can bench. I have no idea, but he just looks the part, man. He looks real rugged. Looks like he can hold up in the NFL game. He looks like, like you said, when you're you know when you're watching the film, if you squint, you're like, am I watching an NFL player or a college player? Yeah. And it's like with, with Izzy, you're like, dude, that looks a whole lot like a stud in the NFL. Like, He's shaped that way anyway. The yeah. best players, the best players to watch are the ones where you can just watch like a little bit and realize they're a baller. You don't yes. have to like watch a ton. Like he unless I'm missing something, I, I think he looks he looks really, really good. Um yeah. where are you where are you at with Zach Evans right now? Well, so there's the Zach Evans size gate where yeah. like I'm not sure how big he is. Some people say he's small, some people say he's huge, and it's like well, I don't I mean that's that's weird that we don't know if he's smaller. I think he's somewhere in between. He looks he looks smooth as hell, man. When you watch him, it's like he's got this pop where like, you know, he just he all of a sudden he's at the next level, right? And he he seems to like guys bounce off him in a way that makes me think he's big, but then you look at him, he doesn't look all that big. So I don't know, man. He he's he's um he's definitely someone that, you know, there's some criticism from different corners. I'm not sure about it. I, I like to watch his film. He's a very exciting player to watch. He's one of those I'm just going to have my eyes ready and my I'm ready to go either way with him, you know, based yeah. off of the information as it comes. Yeah, he's he's also one where, like, maybe I do want to see landing spot. Um, and I think landing spot will matter a little bit. I want to see how NFL teams value him. Bingo. Um, I think that will, like, he's not – he's not Teflon like some, like, like a couple of guys in this class. I think like to me, like, you know, when, when I look at like, like Charbonnet, like he, maybe his, his, his upside is not what Evans has, but I think like he'll have a safe role in the NFL. hundred percent. Yes. This is a great take, right? So like Zach Evans, if you told me one of these guys has like, you know, 60 catches in, you know, it's just a, you know, Jamal Charles type. It's going to be Zach Evans. It's not Charbonnet, but like Charbonnet, if you say one of the, one of these guys like flames out of the league, it's definitely Evans, not, not Charbonnet. I feel like, right. Like, yeah, you know, I just feel like Charbonnet is going to have a role as a, as a, as a big guy who can take carries in the NFL for sure. Evans. The other thing too, is I wonder like, he seems to be a guy that should be able to catch the football, but he has 30 career catches, eight, 10 and 12 catches in, in three years, you know, two years at, at TCU eight and 10. And then, you know, old miss for one year, only 12. So it's not like he's ever really been utilized as a pass catcher. Although you would think like he should have been, but you go to his, his rushing and he's 7.7, seven and six and a half. He's a, he's a walking seven too. absolutely seven yards. Every time he touches the ball, but the other the other criticism was why couldn't he elevate himself wherever he's been? Well, at TCU, you know, uh, you know, Kendra played, Miller was there, right? Played with yeah. the aforementioned Kendra Miller, 
Yeah, and then at Ole Miss, he was he got played off the field by Quinshawn Judkins. That's a tough one to say, man. That dude's got way too many vowels put together. That's going to be a tough one. Just, you know, Q or whatever his name is. But that kid was – he got 274 carries this year for 1,500 yards as a freshman. So maybe he's good. I don't know. But Zach Evans did not have that sort of, you know, deference over him. You know, these are good players, uh, Judkins and Kendra Miller. So – I guess there's some excuse that Evans wasn't the alpha dog, but if you were never the alpha in college, why would we expect you to be the alpha amongst professionals? That's a fair question. I know these two guys are good, but how good is Evans if he could never really elevate? So I've just got questions. I, I, I'm not saying it's like a death sentence, but that's where I'm at with him. Yeah. Um, he's definitely an interesting one. And then Roshan Johnson is interesting yes. because he's such, an, he's such an athlete and, um, you know, another hat tip to, to John Lobb. He's on Roshan as a guy to watch at the Senior Bowl. Yes. Because he thinks he's going to blow up at the Senior Bowl. Because athletically, he's going to test crazy. Um, and he thinks he could end up being a starting running back in the NFL, even though he's been the backup to Bijan. He totally. played He played as a freshman. Yes. And there then we took go. the backseat to Bijan. So you talked about earlier in the show, we want to see guys get on the field as uh, very young. Um, and he certainly did that. He just happened to play behind, you know, one of the best running backs we've seen in college in the last 10 years. Bingo. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah, that's right. If you, if you just imagine in your mind that Bijan Robinson never existed, I'm just going to tell you what Roshan did his freshman, true freshman season. He had, um, he had 123 carries, 649 yards, 23 catches. So like, 800 yards as a true freshman, you know, you'd expect it to go to 1,000, 1,200, maybe 1,400 as a senior, you know. Instead, it all went down. You know I mean? He went from 800 to 500 to 600 to 600, right? He just kind of was a backup player. So because of Bijan fucking Robinson. So yeah. I went back and I was like, wait a minute. Maybe this kid, I don't know. Who, I don't know. I mean, this is 2019. He was like a five-star. Like he was a he was an absolute stud coming out. He's also checks notes. 62225 like if this dude is 6 you know 61ish 62ish and 225 230 you know this is a big dude he's going to have some utility in the NFL as well and yeah like you say if he goes out and shows at the senior bowl and he's just sort of a man amongst boys and yeah he could find himself some draft capital in day 2 and be uh Tyler Algier Brian Robinson without any question or more potentially yeah it'll it'll be super interesting cuz if he ends up being like the combine star and he has a good week at the senior bowl, having a good week at the senior bowl could, could go a really long way for him. So yes, um, he, he's definitely one, um, you know, right now he's probably like a third rounder in rookie drafts, um, but he could potentially rise up. Yeah. What do you think about the, the, these two guys, Devin, a chain and, and Deuce Vaughn, who are both pretty spectacular players. I mean, especially if you play college uh, campus to Canton or Vaughn, Vaughn. Like I wanted to love Vaughn. Yeah. Um, but he's so little. He's so little, dude. He's so little. It's like, you know, it, I just remember how excited we were this time last year for, for Kyron Williams. Yeah. We tested much uh, slower and smaller than we would have hoped. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden he goes from a guy that, like if you look at, at running back rankings, like the early ones, like the January ones, the February, early February, like Kyron was way up there for a lot of people. And then you got to just take a step back and say, you know, it's just not going to happen. He's too little. Um, 
what was the Louisville running back a few years yeah. back? Javian Hawkins. Hawkins. And Hawkins doesn't even get drafted. Yeah. And Hawkins had a lot of people who loved him in the dynasty community as well. Throw, throw a little shade at Matt Hicks, who had him as like RB2 ahead of Javante, but that's besides the point. So. Uh, some very sharp people. Are, um, yeah. You know, I think Curtis Patrick was on, on Javian Hawkins as well. Yeah. So some people like I really, really respect were on him. Yep. But I think at the end of the day, it's like Vaughn is is Dan Williamson in the GOAT District too is is a Baylor guy, watches a lot of Big 12, and he's just not, you know, Vaughn is so dynamic, but he's just so, he so is. small. Yeah, so, and I think that's something like that's where the anatomy series comes in for me, and that's why I lean on it. It's like, you know, this is just not what they look like. This is not who you're looking for. JJ Taylor for your pick. You're just not looking for this guy. So yeah. don't look for him because if he makes it, it's like, what, dude? What? Like, in college, of course, it's like, well, yeah, he's better than whatever other shit bag they could get. Where does he play? Deuce Vaughn? Like, Kansas State. Kansas State, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's only so many good players. And he crushed he's TCU. Awesome. Like, the TCU game, Deuce Vaughn is like the hero of that game. Completely he's annihilates awesome. TCU. Yeah. I watched him, and it's like, he's amazing. Like, he's so fat. He's so good. Like, he's got a place in the NFL. I'm not saying he's not going to be like... Oh, he'll be an NFL player, and somebody he'll be a second contract guy too. Somebody will like him as a, but again, he's a role player. Role he player. can't take you know, and role players we don't want to pay for in dynasty. Correct. He's a spot starter in fantasy. Um, I you yep. know, if we're proven wrong, then it means that he hit as like a major outlier in terms of size. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's that's my that's my concern and. Who knows? You know, people are like, is he going to be as good as Darren Sproles? And it's like, oh, take the smallest guy who had the best career for a small guy of all time and ask if he's going to be as good as the greatest small player of all time. And also Sproles, Sproles was a fantastic special teams guy. Yes. So like if Vaughn maybe finds a, a niche role in that that sense, but like Sproles, even if he couldn't catch passes, would have been a would have been a tremendous special teams guy. So, yeah, um, yeah it's I, I, I just. I root for him, but I can't. I can't bet on it. Me too. Me too. That's the way. I, that's well said. I'm gonna root for his ass because I want him to be like. I'd rather be wrong and have him be like the f- RB one and fucking fantasy. That'd be great. It'd be that so cool awesome. watching his little ass. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I love watch. The one thing that's funny though, like you watch his film and it's like he's all over the place running, and then someone touches him, he goes down. <laughs> You're like, well, of course, he's fucking five six, 150 pounds. It's like, yeah, it's just incredible. You're like. He's just gone, and then someone just barely touches him. He's like, well, yeah, he fell down. Of course he did, yes. And then you said the other one was, was Arcane from uh, yeah, A-Chain. A&M. Yeah, De- Devon A-Chain. Yeah, so yeah, he, from A&M. Like, he's fast. Like, he's yeah, super he's fast, so and he had SEC production. But again, I want to see, I want to see how big he is. I think A&M has him at, at 5'9", 198. So yeah. he's, he's borderline. If he gets over 200 pounds... Um, even if they force feed him, it just shows that he can actually put on some weight. Um, but he was seven yards a carry um, in the SEC last year. So that's, I mean, that's pretty good. And he had nine rushing touchdowns. So he has the SEC production. So we can't like, I don't know. I've seen some people have him around RB5-ish yeah. for the class. And I think that's fine. But I, again, I want to see how big he is. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit dubious. This was another one, like last year I said, you know, I couldn't stop telling you how much I loved Kenny Gainwell as a player. Love him. Think he's awesome. Yeah. I said, however, I might not draft him almost anywhere because everybody's going to overdraft him thinking he has a potential to be a, you know, a, a, a bell cow in the league. And I don't think he does. I think he's going to be sort of a, a, a situational player, as you said, a role player. 
what happens? Exactly that, right? He's an awesome role player in the NFL. Like that's exactly what he is. Like he's still awesome. He showed it in the championship game. He was awesome. But what did he do? He played garbage time and in non-garbage time, he played spots. You know, he played like 30% of the snaps, which is exactly what you'd expect from a guy like uh, Kenny Gainwell. And I think we can probably say the same thing for a guy like Devon A-Chain, who I think is going to be more of a situational player, a backup player, pass down player, change of pace. He's a fucking fast dude, man. So he's going to have some big plays. You're just not going to know exactly when they're coming. So he'll have some value, but I don't think he'll ever rise to the number one in a backfield. Yeah, I think that's a safe way of looking at it. Um, Now, if he gets some crazy draft capital and he tests over 200 pounds, then I'm willing to believe in him. Totally. Um, But 198 is, like you said, it's kind of a dubious, dubious uh, number right there. It might end up being like 189. Yeah, and, and and as you point out, it's the BMI too. Like Michael Carter was light, but he was also like five, five eight, seven, yeah. eight, five eight. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if you're and even him, you know, let's face it, man, he's a he's now a part time player. You know, um, it's just how this shit goes, man. I, you know, people are funny. They're like, dude, he can do it. It's like I didn't say he couldn't do it. I said he won't do it. There's a big difference because you know who has to agree with you? Not me, but the fucking coach. You yeah. know, it's like not me. I'm with you. Yeah, give give uh you know Matt Kelly said it before. Actually, I love this take. He's like, I would just have a bunch of these small guys and just fucking run them till they're hurt. And and it's like because the guys don't want to not play. If you ask Kenny Gainwell, do you want to play every down? He'd be like, sure, I'll do it. Let's go. Give me every carry. I'll do 100%. it. Hundred percent. Every it's NFL like back's going to do that. Yeah, so it's not like they're like, no, 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 please. I need to be protected. My the, No, no, fuck, I'm ready to play. So, you know, look, the coaches see it a certain way. They don't want these guys taking every every carry. That's just how they are. I, I, until that changes, I'm not changing. So for, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, it, it, a couple of those names are interesting. Um, Chase Brown is kind of interesting. Yeah, a little older, um, isn't he? He's he's old, but he's a, he's gonna be he's gonna be a guy at the Senior Bowl. Yep. Um, he was productive. Um, so I don't know. You keep going down the list. There's there's a, there's just some interesting names in this class. We one guy I'm interested. Where are you at on Tank Bigsby? Yeah, uh, that's another one. It's like I'm not so sure that. Look, I think he profiles more as a a two down player, which is fine. But I don't know that the NFL is going to see him as a three down player. Is that probably right? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm I'm just, I, I don't really, I, I'd say I'm kind of neutral on him. I'm trying to listen to other people's opinions, but I have, I'm I'm somewhat apprehensive if you ask me today, is he a guy I'm going to be drafting these rookie rookie drafts? I just, I don't know. You know, it's funny because he caught 11, 21, and 30 passes, uh, but he, you know, he's, Last year, like six yards a catch. He never was over nine yards a catch. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know, man. You see some of these guys with with the, you know, Jameer Gibbs was Georgia Tech, 13 yards a catch. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, that's a guy who can catch the football. I think this guy just, I don't know. I don't think he's a, a receiver. Um, you know, obviously he can catch the ball. I'm not sure, man. Tank Bigsby just never popped off in terms of, he kind of reminds me of Isaiah Spiller. That's a good one where somebody will end up taking him on, on you know, early day three um and it just might not happen yeah i think that the name is a bit bigger than the than the actual content of his profile you anytime know? a guy's named tank yeah you, you tend to want to have him on your football team it's 
Speaking of Tank, have you seen this kid, uh, Tank Dell, in Houston? It's Nathaniel Dell. He, you know, I think he's like 5'10", 160, and his name is Tank. And so you watch the highlights or the, you know, the highlights actually is better too because it's Tank going for Tank going and Tank again and Tank. And this guy's fucking the smallest dude in the, in the, in the stadium. Uh, and his name is Tank. So they overuse the Tank nickname sometimes. You got you got to have rules. Um, you know, we, we can't have a society that, that turns into chaos by having small guys with the nickname Tank. It's yes. kind of like like uh, like Tiny Zeus Lister. Shout out to the movie Friday. Yes, his name was Tiny, but he was he was like a you know brick shit house. So yes. you got to have some rules. We can't have we can't have tiny you know slot wide receivers named Tank. You got to have that's, a rule. That's my bike. Yeah, that one hundred percent. Yeah, that's my bike. Um, I had posted uh, the picture of Debo and the Debo you know Debo Samuel in the Debo outfit, and uh, it was like I think Matt Harmon was talking about you know how. Uh, someone like that. I can't remember. Curse Patrick, someone. And uh, how uh, Debo outplayed Ayuk and out-targeted him. And I just put, those are my targets. You know, so <laughs> Debo funny. just that tells you funny. when the fuck. We're, you're throwing it to me next. Uh, but no this doubt. this Tank Dell, by the way, uh, back-to-back 1,300-yard, 12-plus touchdown seasons as a sophomore and junior in Houston. Uh, small, but he could be one of these speed slots. You know, I know that uh, Tutu Atwell got overdrafted. This kid actually may be worth a second or third round pick given his uh, his blazing speed and uber production. So very small, but very interesting. No, got to want those got to want those productive guys uh, yeah. when it comes to our speed slots. Hey, you were going to mention one last um, running back who I absolutely love. So go ahead. Uh, well, I thought Ty J Spears was yeah. more interesting. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on him, but. It was like a magical season for Tulane, and he he really, really flashed every time you saw him play. Where do yep. you have him um, kind of in this pecking order of running backs? I think he's very similar to the Devin A-Chain, Kenny Gainwell type of player. But, yeah, he was just an absolute monster. Almost 1,600 yards and 21 total touchdowns this past year as a um, you know fourth-year player. A fourth year junior, you know, so call him a you know fourth year player, so senior, um, you know, coming out and yeah, he's just an awesome uh, electric player. When you watch him, he's fun as hell to watch too. So and he goes from know, like eight hundred yards rushing yep. to like sixteen hundred this year. Yep. Um, and you knew the ball was going to him, and he was just so productive. Um, so productive. And he's young. He's 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 twenty one. So yep. he's been there. He's been there a while. But I just was it, the the production and. I don't know. They have him listed 195. So yes. I don't know. It, it, he could end up getting dusted by the, by the, the combine numbers, but the pr- productivity and just the fact that, I don't know, they were such a special story this year. You're kind of rooting for him. Yeah, totally. I love this Tajay Spears. I mean, you know, he'll get drafted. He'll have, you know, you just hope he finds a really cool offense. You know, I mean, he could be like a, you know, Pacheco type, you know, where he's, he's, he's drafted late, but even even still, he's just so explosive that he plays his way onto the field, which would be really fun to see because he's been very, very productive his entire career. He's never rushed uh, fewer than six yards a carry. Um, you know, he's had, you know, he's he had, uh, you know, 12 yards a catch for his career. So he's over seven uh, yards per play, 34 total touchdowns, 21 total touchdowns this last year. So, yeah, he's been super, super productive. Um, didn't do much in the in the you know COVID season, so that got cut short. So yeah, he's been really productive, and so I, I give him 
you know, certainly an opportunity to be somebody again, a little small for the NFL and it's too bad because sometimes that's like, you see everything you want to see, except it's like, Oh, you're 195. Sorry. Tajay's electric kind of reminds me of Isaiah Pacheco. Speaking of Isaiah Pacheco, um, let's talk about, so check this out, brother. We've got a, we've got a game happening that I think some of the people might be aware of. It's uh, let me just check the notes here. Cincinnati Bengals at Kansas city chiefs. Um, I saw some nonsense conversation on the, you know, the, the, the mainstream media. I haven't said mainstream media. That term has not come out of my mouth ever in 120 podcasts on this, on this show, but I just said it. But in the mainstream media, there was a a conversation that if Burrow beats Mahomes in this game, he is the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, That sounds a little weird. Uh, Is that true? No, to me, it's Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, Burrow's truly elite. Yep. But Mahomes is is maybe the best we've ever seen um, in terms of just pure talent. I agree. I think you also have the fact that this week, you know, you have a banged up Mahomes. You have a healthy Burrow. Uh, yeah. It's there. I'm not going to put like into like rank. I, I, they're both great, great, great players. I don't. I don't oh. think there needs to be a. Uh, that that sort of a declarative statement from from big media, right? It's so funny because that's what they did. They're like, you know, I I get it. I guess that's what they got to do, man. I, you know, here we are in our mom's basement. You know, each other's mom's basement. I know because that's how we roll. But we are in our mom's basement having this conversation. They're on you know network TV, but it is it is for the lemmings, right? It's all the simpletons who are like. Oh, Burrow's good now. You know, it's like, I get it, but, you know, it's true, man. If you really want the analysis, Mahomes is the apex predator. I've said it. I think he's the best quarterback I've ever seen, and I've watched 20 years of Tom Brady. I think, you know, obviously Tom Brady's the GOAT just because of what he's accomplished, but if 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 Mahomes can keep this trajectory, he is by far the best quarterback of all time. And he is – look, what has it been, like five straight AFC championship yeah. games – you know, going through Kansas City, um, yeah, he is. He has done it with and without Tyree Kill. He's done it with and without weapons. He's done it with and without a running game. He is amazing. He seems to make these plays. The thing about Burrow, and you know, we get into these conversations about these best quarterback thing. And I guess my only take, and I like getting some takes off on this show, which is kind of what it's there, what it's here for, is like at the end of the day, these guys are like, um, you know, Burrow is a winner. And, and I know that that's, you know, I saw Bean Counter, who's a buddy. I, I like Bean Counter, but sometimes he gets so locked in in the data that he forgets that the whole point of this thing is to win. And sometimes it's one or two plays a game. And like you could, two guys can have great statistics, two guys can be good, but one guy just rises up. And that motherfucker is Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow is a killer. Like, you know, you think back to that first drive uh, against, against Buffalo about how just walks him downfield, gets him to the end zone, and like, you know, mic drop type moment. Like, Burrow, Burrow is an absolute killer. I think that he maximizes his personnel. Um, and yeah, the guy's 3-0 against, against the Kansas City Chiefs. So right. if he goes 4-0 against the Chiefs, I mean, there's, you know, and the guy's able to go to back-to-back Super Bowls. I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, his career trajectory looking like it's even even higher. So. Yeah, yes. I love I love Burrow. And I think that, you know, that's I think that they're gonna go into KC and I think they are gonna get the win. Woo. Um 
I worry about Mahomes being banged up. Yeah, totally. And I also trust those guys uh, in the state next door to you um, where Vegas, the line went from a two and a half point favorite for the Chiefs. Yeah. And now the Bengals are favored. So the other way, exactly. You know, line movement matters, and when it yep. goes through zero, matters. And I think yes. the, the money's going in on Cincinnati hard. Yeah, and sometimes the money can go one way or the other, and Vegas will stand; they won't move. You know, they'll just be like, "All right, good, good luck over there on the other side." But here, they move the line, and I think that that's a very telling statement, as you point out. You know, a, a four, five, six point line movement is nothing to scoff at. And so you might be onto something there, uh, Theo. I, I think that there's something to be said there. Um, in terms of dynasty value, you know, when we look at this, I mean, it's really fun to watch the games and talk about. It. But when the dust settles, regardless of who wins this game, I think it, it, it changes nothing from a dynasty lens, uh, or does it? I mean, where do you have Joe Burrow, I think, is the, the biggest riser in all of this, especially given his... 2022 performance where do you have him in your in your quarterback rankings in dynasty so i haven't done an updated ranking but just off the top of my head i think yeah. that i'd have him qb3 qb4 i yeah. think he's up he's up there like yeah. to me, I'd, I'd you know i think that mahomes is my qb1 me too I'm josh allen qb2 and then it comes down to do you want hurts or do you want joe burrow and i think you could go either way and I would actually argue that I think there's now a conversation to be had at QB2. Yeah, um, I, I would agree on that. Because I, I think, think if, you, if you like Josh Allen, you necessarily like Jalen Hurts. Like, what's the difference, right? And if you have questions about Josh Allen, well, what's wrong with Joe Burrow and what he's been providing for you, you know, this whole time? One thing I'd point out is that basically Josh Allen and, and Joe Burrow are the same age. So the whole thing about Burrow being so much younger is not really true. He's 26 years old. So, you know, for that reason, he's not like, you know, well, he's only 22. I mean, he's only played three years, but he was an older prospect. So I, I just think, you know, right now, the way that Burrow is playing and the way that the weapons he has, like for the next three years, I mean, you can just see Burrow hitting his stride, man. This kid is apex confident. I mean, I've never seen a guy more confident and for that reason, he tends to be a guy that I'd want. It's like it's the same thing with Trevor Lawrence right now. It's like I just can't imagine a world where Burrow or Trevor Lawrence are like not good in five years, you know? Yeah, Burrow, Burrow will definitely have longevity. And you start to see, you know, the the rushing ability is there for him. Like he for was sure. injured and he's he's completely healthy. So um, you know, you you make a great point on the weapons. You know, he's attached to Jamar Chase, um, right. for, you know, hopefully hopefully their whole careers. Yeah. And you also have, you know, with Hurts, you have two younger wide receivers. Diggs, you know, you know, we talked about a little earlier. There um, you go. You know, he's 30. So that might be the tiebreaker. And I do think you could get, you're going to get Burrow plus if you want to make that pivot from, from Allen to Burrow. I think that's a, that's a fine move. That's exactly what I'm saying is that there's enough questions around Josh Allen. Even his first two seasons are at least they exist, you know, and he wasn't as dominant as he is now. And, you know, it could go back that way. Whereas like Burrow, it's like we've never seen him fail. I mean, the only time he failed is when he couldn't climb the depth chart at Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> no, the guys, the guys just been, I mean, ever since that LSU team, it's been, it's been a great run. And I think the fact that, he started out his rookie year strong, gets injured, and then comes back even stronger. I mean, it speaks volumes for him. Hey, hey by the way, that LSU team, just to recap, was uh, Joe Burrow throwing to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Yeah. Like, 
the fuck, bro? Like that is that no wonder they threw for 60 touchdowns. I mean, everybody else was dog shit, Thad Moss, CEH, Terrace Marshall. That was what the team was, and we should have known it. Yeah, and 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 Kayshawn Boutte, who we'll, we'll be talking about at some point, you know? Yeah, not tonight, but yep, we will be, won't we? Um, you know, the 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 Kansas City running backs, I mentioned CEH. It's like uh boy, oh boy. Uh, um, I don't know. Is there anything there at all? Like literally, like McKinnon, Pacheco, Ceh. Is there anything there worth even caring about? I, I think buying buying low on on McKinnon and Pacheco, like low low, is not the worst idea because I do think that there's a chance that they both have a role next year on the team, and I think there's a yeah. chance that that at least one of them has a role on the team. Even even if they add, I mean, I, I've seen, let's say David Montgomery. Um, that that he's been projected to be a Kansas City Chief because people think he's going to reunite with Nagy on huh. a team friendly deal. That would make sense to pivot off of Ch to to Montgomery, but it's not like he would dust anybody. I think it would be a, a committee, um, and yeah. you're still having guys that are you know in an elite offense that you can get for super cheap. Like McKinnon was excellent, and Pacheco's flashed a ton. So I think that both of them, um, the coaching staff likes both of them, and I think there's a chance that they're going to retain more value than some people think. If uh, if um, David Montgomery is slated to go elsewhere, is Khalil Herbert a starter in twenty twenty three? I think that th- that that could be that could be a thing. Um, yeah. You know, he's the the coaching staff liked him. He was really um, he, good. He played really really well when he yeah. was healthy, and they're not going to pay for Montgomery. So I think there's a chance that Herbert might be a nice nice cheap way to to get yourself a starting running back next year that looked pretty good next to Justin Fields. Yeah, like we uh, we were on your show uh, yesterday, as it were, right? I mean, it's actually earlier today, but this is coming out Thursday. We, we, we were on your show on, on Wednesday, and um, <clears throat> we talked about two players in Damian Pierce and Tyler Algier, and I almost went and talked about Khalil Herbert at that moment because I was like, it, you know, it, it's just as likely that Khalil Herbert is leading a backfield next year as those two guys, I feel like. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that they're they're all in that same box of of guys that might end up having a a positive outcome in terms of can they survive the offseason. But like the Herbert it's it's almost like he has he has I don't know. For for me it's they're they're all they all have risk, but yes. you know we we I think you make a great point where Herbert will be the cheapest of the three right Bingo. now in dynasty by by a mile and the Bingo. outcomes are all pretty similar. Bingo. That's where I'm at. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, we we would tend to separate those guys. Well, well, Herbert is behind Montgomery right now, and those guys are cleared RB ones on their teams next year. It's like I think that's where the 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 you know the narrative is, but I don't know that that's where the truth is. And so I think that's where I'd be looking for. You know, look if you could trade either of those two guys for Herbert plus, I think that's a way to go. Um, <clears throat> moving yeah, on, you're, you ahead. could get you could get potentially Herbert in a second. For like yes. Damian Pierce. So right. I think that's a great way to pivot off. Yes. Love it. Love it. Do it. Send that right now, folks. Um, I, you know, we've got San Francisco against Philly. I, I remember, I remember, you know, preseason when we, when San Francisco was slated to start Trey Lance and we were wondering what was going to happen, how these targets were going to be divvied up. And we were trying to figure out the San Francisco puzzle. And I remember I, I uh, compared them you know, to Philly. I said, you know, this is very similar. Mobile quarterbacks, you know, the the Debo plays the A.J. Brown role. Ayuk plays the Devontae Smith role. Kittle and, um, you know, Goddard are both, you know, seam stretchers with great yak ability. Um, you know, and I was like, these two teams, t- 
tough-minded, you know, uh, you know, great line play on both sides of the ball. Right, these are similar teams, and I did not predict them to be meeting in this game, but here they are. They are a little bit of mirror image. I'd say that the biggest difference right now is that, you know, it's Purdy versus Hertz in home field. But other than that, these two teams match up pretty well, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we get the the kind of the dream matchup on um, the two best teams in the NFC. And it's it's tremendous. I, I will say the X factor, you know, Hertz Hertz looked looked really, really good last game, but you know, you always wonder on a guy coming off of an injury, you know, a yep. hard hit from San Francisco, does that kind of even things out? I think that the San Francisco defense is just so lights out right now as well. Um, it's a it's a tremendous matchup. I think it could go either way. Um, and you bring up Purdy, but I mean Purdy's been been pretty damn good. And I think that they're scheming so well to you know to put him in in, in advantageous spots that I'm kind of on the Purdy train in this one. I, I don't know which way you're leaning uh, in this game, but I think I'm going San Francisco. I love Philly at home, and, and it pains me to say that because Michael P. Duncan does not want me on his side. I know that much for sure, but I do, man. I love this team, and I do think it does come down to, you know, Purdy versus Hurts. You know, it's funny, like, um, whenever – I always say, when it's third and eight and you cover everybody and the guy just runs for 20, you're like, fuck, dude. Like, that's what Hurts does to you, like, time after time. Like, you know – and he has A.J. Brown, Goddard, and Devontae Smith. I think they're really rolling. Um, I like the way that they're going to be able to cover a little bit better, uh, the, the two outside guys in Debo and Ayuk, more than they've been uh, you know, recently. I, I do like Philly to move on. I, I think it's, you know, I, I had Philly KC at the start of the playoffs. I know it's kind of a chalky pick, of course, the two by teams, but I thought they were the best teams. And now I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think Cincinnati has a really – Really good shot to beat, um, you know, Mahomes if he's not if he's not a hundred percent. We got the best four teams though, right? And and I'll ask you this: w- What's the score of the games? Tell me what you think the score is. I've got mine locked in right here. The winners of the game and the score. What do you got? So I have San Francisco going into Philly and winning twenty four to twenty one. Woo! Okay. Then in the AFC, I have a uh, a, high, a little higher scoring game. I have the Bengals 27, the Chiefs 24, and both road teams win. Um, and it was a couple of days ago, it would have been both underdogs winning. But now it's a, you know, I'm following the money on Cincy and San Francisco is my Super Bowl uh, winner before the playoffs started. Um, and I'm still riding that train. Yeah, that's that's uh that's solid. I you know I I tend to agree. I think I, I've got Philly twenty seven to twenty. Um, you know I think it's just gonna be too much for them, and uh, we'll see how that goes. And then I've got um you know it's basically the same call because I've got um Kansas City twenty five twenty four. Uh, they're gonna miss that field goal to win it. <laughs> There you go. I mean, there you go. You know, it's going to be so close. That game is something. I mean, really, it comes down to Mahomes, right? If Mahomes is hobbling around like he was in the second half, then I actually really like Cincinnati. And but unfortunately, we won't really know until we watch as to whether or not he's he's there or not. So, I mean, I know it's a little bit of a you know cop out, but I think if Mahomes is like, you know, eighty percent. In other words, he can just move. He he's he's fine. He can. He can run out of bounds. If you know, it's a regular run. season game, are you sitting Mahomes if it's a regular season game, if it's week six? You know they are. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, that's my fear. 
Yeah, no, you're you're probably right, and and that's a, look re injury becomes a fear too because oh boy, yeah, it's probably going to be Cincinnati. You you got it could be like Cincinnati twenty seven seventeen too. They could run away with it because if Mahomes gets hurt or if he's unable to escape, if he's unable, I think you're right. I think it's going. You know what? Cincinnati's going to the Super Bowl. It's going to be Philly back and back, Cincinnati back to back Joe Burrow Super Bowls. You're fucking right, man. This is this is rough to to think of it that way, but I think you're a hundred percent right. And yeah. now, if you get to your if you get to your your matchup, uh, Philadelphia versus you know Cincinnati, yeah. who's winning the Super Bowl? Philly. You got Philly winning that one. Yeah, I think I think that they that I don't know. I think Philly would be the would be a slight favorite in that game. Um, if it's San Francisco Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati's winning the Super Bowl. I agree. I'm with you hundred percent so far. And 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 if Mahomes can somehow sneak by, I like him against either of those two teams because that means he 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 slayed the dragon in Cincinnati. Then he's got two weeks to get the get the ankle right, and he's gonna fucking roll in in, uh, yeah. in the Super Bowl. That would be that. awesome. That would yeah. be awesome. A healthy Mahomes. Uh, I, I two wanna, weeks to heal. Yeah, I mean, just because he's got bad taste in women doesn't mean he can't win a Super Bowl here and there. Does that mean? You know, it was it was not as mean as to, as to the Dallas Cowboy fans. <laughs> I'm sure she's a lovely person. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, that's about the show, man. I think that's about it. We did it. We, yeah, uh, awesome. we, we made a podcast. You were freaking awesome, man. I mean it. Like it was, you were fantastic. Uh, I loved it, man. I had a, a ton of fun talking to you. Yeah, I've been on your show a few times, but this was a different dynamic, and I really enjoyed it. So, Any, awesome. anytime, anytime, I'm, I'm happy to help. I, I love, I love talking shop with you. Yeah, man. This was a great show. Uh, the world wants to know where they can find you because after a show like that. They want to know where to find you. So go ahead and tell them where to find you. So you can find me in the GOAT district. Um, we, we've, we've had Scott on many times now. Um, we're putting out multiple shows a week. Uh, and then you can also find me on Player Profiler. I, my writing is up there now. I'll be doing a lot more podcasts with them uh, starting uh, this spring. Yeah, man. And uh, the OG Fantasy Football on Twitter. Theo, thank you so much for joining us. I have one final note before I let us go. I've got two openings in the listener league. I mean, I don't know. You know, just hit me up on Twitter. I'm gonna fill it here soon. I don't. I don't think I'm gonna do anything, uh, any sort of fanfare. But y'all are listening to the end of the show. That means y'all are true listeners. So that's the type of people I want. Not the beginning of the show, motherfuckers. I want the end of the show, guys. I want the, the people who listen the to the outro music and like f- let it fucking sink in and then shut that shit off. You know, those are the people I want in my league. So. Hey, hit me up, whether it be a DM. My DMs are open or uh, just hit me up on Twitter. I don't give a shit, uh, but we, we get you in the league. But on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of a very nervous Michael P. Duncan, you have been joined by the great Theo Greminger. And I am Jax Falcone. And we are the 